Hello and welcome to Tech Live. Stephanie Christopher here, Chief Executive of the Executive Connection. Tech Connect CEOs, executives and business owners to the world's largest business leader network. We're committed to delivering actionable insights, accelerating business performance and optimising decision making. So today my guests are Stephanie Roos and Victoria Stewart from Beam. They're experts in fractional and flexible work. So it's a social enterprise that actually does two things. Beam is a talent marketplace for high calibre people who aren't available full time. And it's also a team of organisational design experts who help organisations prepare for the future of work. Great to have you both here. Thanks. Steph Roos, I have known for seven years when we worked together and uh, on either sides of the Sydney Harbour Bridge. That's right. And it was always a question about which one was the other Steph, but you know, there was <laughs> Steph and Steph. And Vic, I've only known you now for a couple of years. That's right. Really, probably yep. since Beam really first started. Yep. But I do know that a couple of bottles of rosé down, you're happy to uh, sing a bit of Bon Jovi. So <laughs> this could well form part of our conversation today. I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> so welcome to both of you. Thanks, and Steph. I'm going to start with you, Steph. What's fractional work mean? It's so nice to be here oh, um, doing this podcast together. So fractional work is when we think about um, traditional jobs and traditional work weeks, we're looking at what is uh, a different way of working that people might um, be more engaged and productive and so on, but it's fractions of a traditional week or fractions of a traditional job. So looking at, yeah, just a different way of thinking about workforces. Does that line up with the whole Christensen model of jobs to be done rather than someone having a role, your yeah. head of marketing, your head of exactly. customer it, experience? Yeah, yeah. And there's a whole spectrum. I mean, there's a whole lot of things within it. Um, and for different companies, it'll mean different things. And for each individual, it'll mean something different as well. But it, you're, you're spot on. I think in the past, in sort of more of the... Um, industrial you know revolution model that we it worked really well for us to have organizational structures with clearly defined roles and things to be done you know start on a Monday finish on a Friday well now it's really different because we've seen a lot of those you know parts of those jobs be automated so all the repeatable tasks are have or are going to be automated leaving the creative thinking you know the really interesting and and um, sort of thought-provoking work to be done but not necessarily in the same way of coming and sitting at a desk from nine to five. We've got technology, you know, there's um, people on from the minute they wake up mm. to the minute they go to bed. So just thinking about a smarter way of doing business. Yeah, it's really interesting. So Vic, how does fractional work differ from flexible work? Yeah, I, and I think it's more about looking at the work week a little bit um, differently. So in terms of BEAM, we represent uh, people who aren't available in the 40-hour work week, right? They're in reduced hours within that week. So it might be um, one or two days or it might be, you know, more like 30 hours a week. So we look at it in the, the availability of people, but even in the jobs as well, um, projects might mean that, you know, there's fractional work within. So a project might be delivered within four weeks and that's essentially fractional work as well. Right, so, okay. So um, It's flex- not a contract that I'm employed 
and I'll stay there forever till I get a gold watch. That's kind right. Of, yeah. Or it could be, um, you I'm know, still hanging out for my gold watch. That's, <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. that's right. So flexible work is, um, you know, you could turn uh, turn flexible work about being someone that's able to leave their desk job to go and do something, you know, like go to the gym, leave early. You know, uh, you know, two or three days a week. That's flexible work. So being a bit more, or having technology enable uh, someone to work from home, mm. that's a bit of flexible work. But we're talking about reducing hours within a week specifically to allow for um, whatever it is, that, um, you know, whatever work needs to be done, but also for talent preferences as well. So a couple of thoughts about this. I read an interesting article in Boss Magazine on Friday, and there was a comment saying that employees are only going to be interested in part-time work if they think that there's a career path. That's when the real swell of this will happen. If people think, well, I'll be part-time, they're probably not even thinking fractional, but I'll be part-time, but is this going to hurt my career? So, Steph, how would you respond to that? Oh, it's so interesting, isn't it? A couple of things, I think. First of all, there are definitely people who want to maximise maximize their earnings, yep. right, and work full-time as much time as they can. They want to get ahead and they want to really progress their career. Absolutely. For them, part-time might be just mean they're earning less, which might be absolutely a second preference. Mm-hmm. There are a whole lot of people, though, who want to work part-time as a first preference, and these are people, you know, who the people who we see coming to BEAM are naturally parents, which is sort of the category that Vic and I both fall into. But also, and that includes dads as well as mums, yep. obviously, but That's you good. have professional athletes who can't work full time. Mm. You have people who are increasingly want to, wanting to um, work in a portfolio career. So they, they might be a board member in one you know, part of their month, they might be, you know, an executive in another, they might be a mentor and a coach, things like that. Or they might have their own business. So they might be a consultant who is working three days a week permanently with one organisation and then, you know, consulting. They might be um, millennials, right? So that that little group of millennials who are going to be most of our workforce within a few years, 30% of them have a side hustle, meaning their own startup or a passion project or something they're just really into that means actually they prefer to work four days a week, right? So I think what is important really important and to actually answer your question. That's important too, actually, Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, It is critical that organisations figure out how do we help people progress their careers and develop and not be held back because they're in this part-time, in inverted commas, Mm. um, job. It doesn't mean that they're less committed, that they're contributing less to the organisation either. Mm. It's actually an opportunity for businesses to bring in incredible um, capability. Yeah. So how do they help that person thrive? And that's where I think there's this rub between the traditional sort of um, learning and development, you know, structures and Mm. um, processes in an organisation and the way that people work. And I think they need to all um, be figured out so people can progress their careers. So this is really, Vic, a big change culturally Mm -hmm. for organisations, isn't it? Yeah. For both sides. So it's people to embrace opportunity that is beyond I'm going to look for a job with this organisation and it's full-time and I'll be there forever. There could be a range of things you could do. There's one major thing to think about is um, in terms of sort of talent shortages. Mm. So 
that, you know, I think it's, you know, there's a prediction that by next year, 739,000 um, skilled work, there'll be a shortage of 739,000 skilled, skilled workers. Across in, Australia. In Australia. Wow. So that begs the question, where are we going to find all this talent, right? Yeah. As Steph mentioned earlier, there's a number, of, you know, there's huge talent pools that are excluded from the workforce. So mm. businesses are going to have to think differently around mm. how they attract talent into their workforce mm. um, and how they change the way work is done as well. So in thinking that through, there are ideas around how do you allow or how do you bring in someone or that capability into your business in a different way so that you're attracting the right talent into your business that's going to power it forward, right? So where's the hidden workforce? So um, they are the people that Steph mentioned. So they're they're currently either trapped in a full-time role, they are excluded from the workforce, so they're not working. And, you know, you mentioned athletes. You know, there's a huge issue at the end of an athlete's career as to what they do next. Facing them then is a huge barrier as to, you know, their career paths. Mm. So transitioning from an athletic career to a sort of more, uh, you know, different type of career, whatever that might be, it um, does um, pose big challenges in terms of mental health and things like that that we see um, frequently as people transition out of those um, careers. So it's it's the obvious things, I guess, as you say, of, of people who have had children, mm-hmm. men or women. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or people maybe with a need for flexibility. I can imagine other things that you're talking about, someone who's caring for an aged parent mm-hmm. or something like that. Yeah. But when I met you both and you were first talking to me about BEAM, or when I met you about BEAM, <laughs> and you were saying the idea, the challenge that often people will, to get out of a full-time job, to get the flexibility that they need, they'd take a job way different, mm-hmm. I don't want to say below, but way different from their career path. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That that they might have been in a high-powered job, yep. for example, you know, a partner in a law firm, mm-hmm. and step into something that really doesn't align with where their career's been heading because it means flexibility. That's right. So I'm being careful not to sort of name jobs that, you know, would be seen mm-hmm. as a step down. But, Steph, do you still hear that story from yeah, people? Yeah, ab- absolutely. And I think this is where we need to create those meaty roles that you were talking about before, the Mm. ones with career progression that are having an impact in those mid to senior level roles. And I think the reason that that that's been the only option before is because part-time's been basically earned and not hired. So you can earn the right to work part-time in a large organisation because they feel like you've earned their trust Mm. And um, and also, you know, it might be a legal obligation as well. <laughs> yeah. So, but it's very hard to then go and find an, an interesting role somewhere else. And I think that's because people have figured out how to do part-time roles in, for instance, nursing or more administrative roles in in the past. And they've been largely dominated by women as well, right? Um, but not in the, you know, seen as more professional career um you know, upper-level roles. It's really interesting. So you two really messed with my head when you (laughs) came in because I, as a CEO of an organisation, and I thought, well, I need people here. Mm. And you made me really think about that idea about, well, it's about the talent. It's not really about that old-fashioned, as you say, post-industrial revolution Mm. paradigm of what work looks like. Mm. And when I look at my leadership team, 
there's only uh, three of us who are full-time. Mm. How's that working for you? It's actually working really well. Oh, great. That's amazing. <laughs> Is that good? So yeah, yeah. job well done. It just means you're really progressive though because it can be very That's hard. That's a given step. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, look, it, it's hard. As a leader, I had to stop my basic thing of being annoyed. I need this thing done and that person's not there. Mm. And that was my original reaction. But it's the reason it's worked because of how the people work. Mm-hmm. And that's the bit that makes a difference. Yeah, it's um, one of the big things that we're helping organisations with in terms of our organisational design um, mm-hmm. consulting. Yeah. So this is um, we call ways of working, yeah. right? It actually, you need to change the rhythm from being we go and ask anyone at any point because they're there. It's a mm. benefit of presenteeism. Mm. To, well, if we're not going to have people always present in the mm. office and people are going to be working on different things and they want to structure their work um, and focus their work in different ways, then how do we organise things probably in, from two dimensions primarily? One is when are we having our, you know, leadership or team mm. communications? Mm. So that's a consistent every mm. week. And so, for instance, for a lot of organisations, everyone's in on a Tuesday. Yes. Right? Um, or a Monday, whatever whatever yes. works for, for that team that respects everyone's sort of flexibility mm. needs, not just people who have kids and not just people who work part-time, but, you know, what suits everyone and making sure the key communications happen then so people don't miss out. Mm. Um, and then the other one is how do you use technology um, and things like Slack mm. to be able to keep the, the updates on whatever's happening in whatever mm. project or, you know, with whatever client or event that you might be holding or what have you, how do you keep that conversation online so that when someone comes back into the business on after two days, for instance, or even after a holiday, right, mm. different different mm. breaks in work, that they can immediately catch up yeah. and not have missed out and not be out of the loop so that they just continuously then fall behind. So it's certainly about systems. Mm-hmm. I, I get that. Yeah. One of the big changes for us as an organisation was stopping people talking about people having it's their day off. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Thursday it's, you know, oh, well, Thursday's Vic's day off. Mm. And we – so we had to really make that shift as an organisation. Mm. Well, Sunday's not your day off. You just don't work on a Sunday. Yeah. And that helped. But it's taken some time. I think it's taken a couple of years for us to really embrace it and the systems are a really important part of it. And, Steph, I think there's another um, big thing that is pretty clear when you're moving away from presenteeism mm. because there's this piece of trust, right? Yeah. So just mm. trusting that someone's going to get the work done when they're not sitting in front of you. Um, mm. Actually, it's interesting. There was a study done in the UK um, of about 2,000 full-time workers that showed that the average work done per day – was two, th- two hours and 53 minutes. Yeah. Right? Scary, isn't it? So these are, that's right. And so you've got all of these people sitting in their jobs from nine till five or longer but not actually doing work because mm. they were, you know, speaking to their colleagues, which is important. You know, mm. that's about building a culture. Collaboration, yeah. Absolutely. Um, but not necessarily about work, but still important. But then you have, um, you know, people um, checking out the news sites, yeah. um, social media, all sorts of different um, things that they were doing external to their actual roles. So when we talk about, you know, the work getting done, it's really important that people are there. We know that that's not necessarily generating the productivity that Mm. we want to see. And so 
really part of great leadership now and in the future is really building that trust and having uh, trusting your employees to be to do the right thing and to certainly have those systems in place to enable the productivity and the things to be um, generated and communication to still happen but that trust is a huge element of manager capability and um, that's another area that we focus on because managers need to be changing the way that they've managed before and that's what you were talking about finding it difficult to transition because everyone's got a way of the way that they were working it's changing the capability set of a manager as well so it's hugely important isn't it and managers all through the organization absolutely because just the subtle language or the making sure that you're not leaving someone out Mm -hmm. or playing favorites so again when I was first talking to you both about beam and I said well this will work great easy salespeople Mm -hmm. simple They've got a target, you hit the target, Yeah, doesn't matter. You hit the target, that's fine. It's so measurable. How could you do this with someone in a more operational role, Steph? It's so funny you say that because when we speak with business leaders, there'll be someone who says, oh, obviously you can do that in operations, but never could you do it with a salesperson. <laughs> oh, is that right? Yeah. Yeah, but it's not always the opposite. It's just different people have different experiences because they've seen it work or in their mind, you know, it works yes. in different ways. There's a lot of people who say a salesperson could never work full-time. So I challenge anyone could never listening. never work part-time. Part-time, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, yeah. So I challenge anyone listening to um, think like Steph and um, <laughs> but to be really creative about, of course it can work. Yeah. yeah. So, so what are the elements that make it work? Yeah, so in I think it's about, um, or in our experience, it's about having really clear outcomes. So, mm. you know, what you just mentioned there was with a the salesperson, there's a really clear outcome that if you can see, you know, if you can reach that outcome, then great. And and again, if you're scaling back a five-day to a three-day role, then you can, you know, times it by 0.6, right? So here's where it gets interesting is when, when you're talking about an operational role, let's say it's um, operations or HR or finance or something like that, often we start with full-time as a default. Mm. But what if we don't have a finance manager yet or, for instance, a recruiter yet? Mm. We're going from zero. So why would we go from zero to 100%? Yeah. Thinking about what we actually need. Do we? Is it two days a week or the equivalent across the week? A good example is um, someone managing a business's social media. Yeah. A social media manager or a community manager. Often they don't have them yet, but they say actually it'd be great for someone to be managing our LinkedIn, our mm. you know other social channels and to be really focused on our brand voice in there, being more vocal, helping us to grow community. So going from zero, you probably want to think about, we probably want some kind of touch in like four days a week or mm. five mm. Um, and you can schedule stuff to go out on the fifth day but mm. respo- responses but it doesn't need to be you know eight hours a day that'd mm. be over investing over capitalizing mm. in that capability mm. in your organization so typically we see between 16 and 24 hours for a social media manager right they need to be able to produce the content or curate the content to go out to be able to schedule it in through, you know, uh, what do you call it, HubSpot or whatever you use. Yeah, Hootsuite. Um, yep, Hootsuite. And then to be able to respond. Okay, so that's a perfect example. It's actually a really good example. And again, you've gone to one that you could think this could be part-time, but what you're saying actually even with finance or with any role. Yeah, it's, mm. I think it's interesting thinking. So we will get to training up employers Mm. business owners, CEOs, 
Vic, what about training the beamers, training the the talent? Because Mm. if people work productively Mm. two hours and 53 minutes a day, Mm. then at least if I've got someone five days a week, I'm getting close to 15 hours a week. (laughs) (laughs) But if I have someone flexibly or fractional employee who's three days a week, well, does that mean that I'm going to get sort of six hours from them? How can you shift or um, ensure that someone who's engaging with this new way of working is also working differently? I think it really, again, it does come back to what are the outcomes that I want to see in Mm. this role and what needs to be done in this role, right? Being clear on what those um, objectives and, you know, the key outcomes are for Mm. each each person. Um, I think also, you know, as part of that, it's being really open and transparent with a manager as well. Um, and touching base regularly. Yeah. It is really important to um, skill up a person on what their obligation is in Mm. terms of um, if they are working flexibly, what do they need to be thinking about? And we we do a lot of support um, now because we've realised that this is something that we – it needs to go both ways. Yeah, that's right. right. It's the both ways. It's not about employers embracing this. I think it has to go both ways. Yeah, Mm. and it's – and as always, there needs to be really open lines of communication, right, to be able to be clear on this is what I'm looking to achieve this week and um, and just that regular uh, interaction mm. is just critical. Also, you know, we give a lot of sort of these are the – as you start a role, these are the things that you need to think about yeah. um, and these are the conversations that you need to have with your manager before you start with that organisation. And you have that with the talent on with your platform. With the talent, yeah. That's good. Mm, yeah. Mm. Uh, and as we said, you know, that's that's just more about just being really transparent from the beginning. Yeah. So how well are you finding mid-sized businesses mm. are engaging with this approach, Steph? I think that um, for most mid-sized businesses, there's a real rub between what's worked before yeah. and what they're hearing now from talent. Right, and there's you know this big problem that people are talking about. Just for instance, one one problem with managing talent being that millennial employees are going to stay eighteen months, two years. That is not the traditional way mm. of mm. investing. Mm. You know, recruiting, training someone up, and then they just leave. That's traditionally awful. Well, if that's the way that it's going to be, then let's embrace that and talk about how we can design employee experiences that and and plan your workforce for that kind of rhythm. We've talked about people working part-time, changing talent preferences, productivity tools, optimising your budget for each role, finance, for instance. Um, so I think the organisation, the mid-sized organisations who are doing this well are rethinking their organisational design. It sounds big. It doesn't need to be that big. It's more just, you know, what does the, te- what does the organisation look like? What are the roles that partially a redundant, you know, part of what people are doing are redundant. Can we structure this differently? And how do we give managers the capability to be able to flex their own teams um, but maintain those systems and those rhythms that are going to allow them to really thrive and achieve their outcomes? Mm, it's great. So, Vic, how could a business owner or a CEO start to get their head around this? Where would they start? Uh, well, they're welcome to come and speak to Bean. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, look, I think, uh, you know, one major consideration here is the cost of talent, mm. right? 
and the cost of attrition and things like that as well. So, one, um, you know, I think we have a lot of interactions with organisations that are starting to think about workforce planning and mm-hmm. then they start to think about where are we going to find this talent? You know, there's this huge shortage. We need to think about this now. Um, and so that's where we support not only on finding talent but also reskilling as well um, because realistically not all of that talent is going to be available or are you going to be able to compete on salary for that talent in market Mm. so again in thinking differently it's about how do we look to reskill our own workforces as well but I think it's more as well I think it's it's about as a leader of whatever kind of business embracing a really significant shift in work that is happening yeah uh, you know, we've spoken on this podcast a couple of times about innovation and we've got more to come about innovation with people. And I think it's recognising that this is coming, but you don't have to – I love that something one of you said, it doesn't have to be a big deal, mm. that you can just start with what you have or start with who you are as a leader and thinking about how stuck am I in an old paradigm and what are the opportunities of thinking about this differently. Because we know that there is a talent shortage and there's an even bigger one coming. Mm. And so how do we embrace it? It's a massive opportunity because there are a huge amount of organisations that will just put it in the too hard basket. Yeah, that's right. And guess what? It's coming, like it or yeah. not. So well, it's here. It's here. Yeah, it's here. Mm. So, but, you know, the, the people listening to this who are the tech members are wanting to be innovative and wanting mm. to grow their businesses and so on. So, you know, they'll they'll get it and, and they'll get on board. Um, but it'll be a huge competitive advantage for them in their own sectors because there are a lot of organisations who are going to um, put their head in the sand and mm. it'll be too late. Mm. So this touches on everything. This touches on leadership. It touches on your future of your organisation and how you're addressing it. It touches on competitive advantage and it touches on dealing with what I find when I talk to smaller mid-sized businesses that really their biggest issue and that's talent. No, well, it's mm. for small and medium businesses, I guess the... You know, costs are always huge, and yeah. as um, as you look to bring in capability, you know you can look to bring in someone on, you know, someone who isn't not necessarily as experienced in a full time role, or you can bring in someone who has twenty plus years experience mm. to come in and for just two or three days a week, and really the level of um, knowledge experience and insight that they can bring into that role can be really really powerful for that for your organization so not to say that we shouldn't be supporting employment of junior um, talent within an organization absolutely there are roles for this but as you know there's a real cost opportunity here to be able to attract talent that can really power the growth of a business and i really like that that whole proposition that as a mid-sized business you could actually have work people working in the organization that you wouldn't traditionally be able to attract that's right so congratulations to both of you for addressing this head on and coming up with some interesting solutions not just for people looking for this kind of work but for organizations who are tentatively embracing it or in fact going in wholeheartedly great conversation thank you so much for sharing with us some of your thoughts and good to talk to you both thanks Thanks, Steph thanks so much so that's Tech Live for today CEOs are in the business of making decisions and leadership is the art of execution I'm Stephanie Christopher and look forward to talking to you next time 